0: follower of Jesus, they've got to have these five things evident in their life. So what are they? They're uh, relationships, knowledge, evangelism, which is just sharing your faith with others, uh, regular practices, which are prayer and and Bible study, and then serving. So these are the five areas that we're looking at over these five weeks. And today we're talking about serving. You know, I took my personal assessment uh, a few weeks ago And I wasn't really surprised where I was on the scale. I knew where my areas... I've been following Jesus for a while. I know where my areas of weakness are and where my areas of strength are. And I wasn't really surprised. Um, For me, like, my areas of weakness are the areas in relationship and the areas of sharing your faith. And you might go, oh, you're a pastor. And you have those problems. I can't listen to you anymore. Right? No, I mean... Every single one of us, if we're a Christ follower, out of those five areas, there's probably going to be some where we're really, really good at and some that we're like, we need some, some work here. And sure, I share my faith and, and yeah, I, I have relationships, but I, I don't think those are my, my strengths. They're actually my weaknesses. And so I've, I've put in some action plans over this n- next year and how am I going to strengthen those things? How am I going to be more like Jesus? Because I know that when I work on them, I actually become closer to Jesus when I do those things. And that's my ultimate goal. So we're going to take a look at some things that Jesus said about serving. And we don't really have servants uh, in America, except for if, if you're on TV. When I was a kid, I would watch all these shows and everyone had ba- maids and butlers. Remember those shows? And I'm like... This would be really cool to have a maid like Alice on the Brady Munch. That would be really, really cool. You know, It'd free my mom up to spend more time with me and drive me around to do all my stuff I want to do. Right? Or have a, have a butler like Benson. Remember Benson? I'm dating myself here. Come on, help me out here. I'm just having flashbacks to my childhood. Or there was, uh, I mean, the fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You know, he had a butler. How come I didn't have a butler? Batman had a butler. I mean, come on, he's a superhero and he still needs somebody to butler him. You know? And so I always thought, man, it would be really cool. The nanny, come on, she's a nanny and she has a butler. That's a little over the top, don't you think? Come on. So I always thought, man, it would be really, really cool to have my own personal assistant, my own personal servant, that whatever I needed, they'd just bring it out on a silver platter with one of those covers and just here you go, sir, whatever you need. My oldest daughter, Katerina, she, to me, when I think about servanthood, man, she, to me, is my inspiration. Uh, just, I want to grow up and be like her. And she's only 13, but uh, I was just thinking about, as I was thinking about serving, and I was, I was thinking about her life. When we were church planters in Denver, she was like nine years old, Right? And um, she came up with this idea of what if I took my money and I bought toys and then I took them to the hospital and gave them to sick kids. Wouldn't that be cool? Like, how old are you? (laughs) Nine years old. And and so we're like, well, if you, I mean, it's your money if you want to. And she's like, that's what I want to do. So she actually did that and then other people heard about it and they actually donated money to her and we'd go to the store and she'd buy toys and then I'd take her to the hospital and, and she would go and she would serve the sick and she would, we would take her to the children's uh, floor and she would walk up and down and hand out toys to sick kids. I'm like, are you kidding me? I want to grow up and be like you. On one, on one Saturday night, I saw her sitting at the table and she was cutting some construction paper and I'm like, well, well, I don't know. What's she, what's she doing? So I went and asked her, what, what are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm making crafts so I can lead a craft in the nursery tomorrow at church. Nine years old. Unbelievable. And I thought, man, she's my inspiration. She's nine years old, and she's already thinking about how she can serve others. And so today we're going to look in the Bible and we're going to look at three areas. So if you want to take notes, these are the three areas of serving that the Bible teaches us to serve in. The first one is in our relationships. The second one is in the church. And the third one is to the poor. And in all those areas of our lives, serving, if we're a follower of Jesus... We need to grow in our serving in those three areas of our lives. So let's look at relationships. relationships. I'm talking any relationship you have with any other human being on the planet. How would our relationships be different? Or how would they even be better if we approached every relationship by taking on the role of a servant? That's the question we're going to tackle right now. How would our relationships be different if actually we went into the relationship taking on the role of a servant? Jesus had a lot to say about about the subject. He lived in a culture where people had servants and some people had slaves. They were actually forced labor for, for people. And Jesus lived in a time during the Roman Empire where... Uh, the Romans ruled the world. And so depending upon your rank in the military was how much respect you got. And here Jesus is in the middle of, of this whole culture of slaves and servants and, and, and military, uh, military oversight and, and all this stuff. And he's talking to his 12 disciples and he says, Okay, guys, I'm going to teach you how to lead. I'm going to teach you how to be great. And you see all these examples of greatness around here, right? I'm going to teach you. And let's look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 through 28. In this context, Jesus, Jesus says to his disciples, "He called them together and he said, "You know, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so." With you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Now that's amazing to me. That statement right there is amazing to me. He says, yeah, you see it. They're all lording it over each other. Everybody's trying to be great. Everyone's trying to be greater. Everyone's trying to be served. And Jesus says, no, no, not not in my kingdom it's not. Not for my followers it's not. There's no people up here getting served. It's everyone serves. And if it's your desire to follow Jesus, then, then we need to follow his example. He asks us to follow his example. He says, I came to serve. I came to lay down my life as a ransom to pay off your debt. I came to do that. Now, here's the deal. You go and do the same. You go and do the same. The New Testament defines a servant as somebody who gives up all their self-interest for the interest of God and others. Now think about that. The Bible defines servanthood as being a servant, as giving up my self-interest for the interest of God and the interest of others. And it blows my mind every time I think about it that Jesus came to serve me. Come on. Me? I mean, in and of myself, there's nothing good in me. And I definitely do not deserve to be served by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, by the Son of God, Yet what did he do? When Jesus came, he says, I didn't come to be served by you. I came to serve you. And he, he got down on his hands and on his knees and he washed his disciples' feet and he did all these things to serve. So how would life be different? This is the question we had to tackle today. How would life be different if you served in every single relationship you had? How would your life be different If that were true. What if you had the attitude of a servant that said, I'm going to give up my self-interest, the things I'm interested in. I'm going to give up my self-interest for the interest of God and for the interest of others, for growing God's kingdom and for all the people that I'm in relationship with. What would happen if you served your husband or you served your wife Or you had a heart of attitude in serving your children? What would happen at your work if you went in and you actually served your boss? What would happen if you were the boss and you went in and served your employees? What would happen? What would change? What if you're a student and you went in with an attitude, I'm gonna serve my teacher? I'm gonna serve my classmates. I'm gonna serve my fellow employees. What would change? In those relationships, I love this verse in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 7. It's just talking about Jesus' example to us and what we should do about it. Philippians 2, verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. So, wait, let's go back to that first two words. Do what? All right, let's try that again. Here we go. Do do nothing. Now this one's hard. I got to tell you, that statement up there, that is hard. How many of you agree with me that's hard? How many of you think, ah, that's just cheese. I do nothing. I do nothing out of selfish ambition at all. I'm never about myself. Come on. That's why Jesus came, because we were all about ourselves. And we all need to we all need to come to this. So he sa- it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Okay, I'm gonna have you fill in the blank again. Here we go. Ready? I'm going to start there at your attitude. Your attitude should be the what? Okay, try this again one more time. Your attitude should be the, the same as Jesus Christ. Another one. Oh, that's easy. My attitude's always like Jesus. Right? Is your attitude always like Jesus? No. Not me either. I mean, this is a tough one, but it's it's where we're going here today. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of a servant. He, God's Son, became nothing. Because in Jesus' day, a servant and a slave they were nothing. They were nothing. and Jesus said, I'm going to show you. That's what I'm going to be. I'm going to make myself nothing. So that you can be set free. So that I can pay the ransom for you. So that I can serve you. Taking on the very nature of a servant. This is Jesus' example to us. A couple of weeks ago, I was teaching up at North Campus, and it was the knowledge message. That was two weeks ago. And after the knowledge message, a guy came up to me, and uh, he started asking me some random questions. He's kind of new to K2, and he wanted to know some things. And people always ask me the weirdest questions, okay? So he comes up to me and goes, so um, my lady and myself, we kind of have a dispute going. Like, oh, great. I know where this one's going. Okay. And he says, he says, she says that she thinks the Bible says that man was created to serve the woman. Not sure that that works out. And then he says, but I'm pretty sure, he goes, I'm pretty sure it says in the Bible that woman was created to fulfill every man's whim. So which of us is right? right? (laughs) He seriously came up to me and asked me this. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about that. And we, I talked a little bit about the Bible. I said, but here's, here's the deal. Man was created to serve woman and woman was created to serve man. They were actually created to serve each other, to serve each other. He kind of looked at me a little puzzled. And then I said, imagine if everyone came into every relationship with the attitude of I'm here to serve you, not you're here to serve me, what would be different about our world if that was true? He's like, yeah. I guess that would be different, wouldn't it? He kind of, we talked a little bit more. He he did kind of walk away a little puzzled. And um, I'm not sure if I gave him the right answer, but that's the way I think it is in the New Testament. It's just the way it is. We were created as followers of Jesus to serve and to serve each other. There's uh, two other areas of service that are talked about in the Bible, and we just want to address those today as well. And one of those is serving the church. You know, what is the church? The church isn't a building. You know, it's... The church isn't even an organization. The church is a group of believers who come together, worship together, and do life together. It's like we're doing here this morning. The church is people. And the Bible describes the church in two really cool word pictures. I like word pictures because it helps me to really understand and the Bible talks about the church in two ways. It describes the church as the body of Christ, and it describes the church as the bride of Christ. Aren't those cool? The body of Christ and the bride of Christ. And you think of the, the body, actually, the, the physical body of Jesus, or the bride of Christ. So what would happen? I just thought about this today. I was thinking, what would happen if the real Jesus and His real body was actually right here in this room right now, okay? And everyone knew he was going to be here. I don't think there'd be an empty seat for one, right? I don't think there'd be an empty seat for one. I I think, you know, if they knew that Jesus was here in bodily form right here, like this place would be packed. We'd have to rent another room or something. Video simulcast, something. And I think we'd all be sitting here going, what is he going to say? What is he going to do? Who, who's he going to heal? Like, wh- what, what is Jesus going to do? You'd probably make sure that he had a cold bottle of water, right? You'd probably make sure, hey, Jesus, is there anything you need? Can I do a McDonald's run for you, anything? Can I, can I get you anything, right? You'd be, you'd be waiting on him hand and foot. You'd be going, oh, okay, Jesus, is there anything else you need? Let me make you comfortable here. And here's the deal. The church, right here, those those who are believers in Jesus, we are the body of Christ. And when we talk about serving the church, we're talking about serving each other. Serving this body of Jesus. I have a... I was just thinking about... um, The body of Christ and and what it means to serve it. Right? Jesus says, this is my body. I'm giving you this. I'm giving you this. And now after he leaves, we become the body of Christ. We minister it to it. We make sure it has what it needs. We take care of it. We don't neglect it. It's the body of Jesus. So the question here today is, how are you treating the body of Christ. As a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're not, you're just checking this out, that's cool too. But if you're a follower of Jesus, how are you treating the body of Christ? This is a great verse in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Look it up. It's a real short verse, but it's it's power-packed. It says, "...you, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature... But rather to serve one another in love. At K2 the Church, we have 10 values, and one of our values is the freedom of, does anyone know? The freedom to sacrifice. It's kind of a weird way to say it, but it's true. The freedom to sacrifice all self interest for the interest of God and others. That's one of our values one of the things when someone becomes a member at k2 church and they say i want to be a member of this thing we say hey this is this is one of the things we value the freedom to sacrifice all self-interest for the interest of god and others and that comes right out of this verse it says you're called to be free jesus set you free he paid your ransom right he laid down his life and paid the ransom for you paid off your debt set you free he says now don't use your freedom to go out and do whatever you want to do Use your freedom to serve one another in love. And then in First Peter chapter four, verses eight through 11, First Peter four, eight through 11, it says this: "Above all, above all things okay, here we go. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should speak as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should serve. He should do it with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory. And the power forever and ever. Basically what this verse is saying is this. We've all been given gifts and talents. Whether they're natural gifts and talents or they're talents and gifts given to us by God. They all come from God. And we're given these gifts and talents. Cool thing, you know, you saw Sim Leslie up here with Andy Marshall and on the screen. And, and yeah, he does clean the windows. Right? The guy is like a science, really, really smart scientist. He's a really smart guy. And the guy's actually followed Jesus for many years. So he serves our babies who can't talk, but they can listen, right? They just kind of mumble, and, and he washes windows. But he doesn't neglect his other gifts either. He doesn't say, well, the greatest servant is the one who washes the windows. That's not why he does it. He just washes windows because windows are dirty, Right? But he understands his other gifts. And some of his other gifts are gifts like teaching and mentoring. So he teaches Bible studies. And his wife teaches Bible studies. And most of the people that are around them are people who are really new to this Jesus thing. And they just share Jesus with them. And they they talk about Jesus with them. And they share the Bible. And everyone I know that's gone to Sim and Judy's Bible studies have just grown in Christ. There's some amazing people. So don't neglect the gift. Whatever gift you have, don't neglect it. The other picture we have that Jesus gives us, the Word gives us, is the bride of Christ. That the church is the bride of Christ. We've, always, we've all probably been to a wedding. Who's the most important person at a wedding? It's the bride, right? I mean, even during the ceremony, the groom kind of slips the, off the side, you know, unassumingly... Up to the side, no music or anything like that. But when the bride walks in, right, what happens? Special music. Here comes the bride, right? Special music plays, and everybody stands up, and everyone turns around, and everyone looks. Oh, the bride! Oh, she's so beautiful, and she's been preparing all day, getting made up, and her hair done, and gown on, and all this stuff, and and it's all about her, the bride. And then the Bible says the church is the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And if the church is the bride of Christ, who's the very most important person in the room? It's, It's the church. It's the people who love God. So how are you, the question is, how are you and how am I treating the bride of Christ? Are we just ignoring her? Music comes on, uh, not that special. I didn't like that worship song or I didn't like that message that much or whatever. Are we really ignoring the bride of Christ or are we really making her our top priority? You know, it's interesting as I was thinking about this too and, and a lot of times we use the word volunteer. You know, hey, we need some volunteers to do this. We need some volunteers to do that. And I've been guilty of using that too, and, and I feel, really feel there's a whole difference between a volunteer and a servant. I really do think there's a lot of difference between the two. And I've been guilty of it myself. Hey, we need like 8,000 more people in Adventure Canyon right now, okay? Can somebody come and sign up and be a volunteer? And when I was thinking about that, why do we ask people to volunteer their time to church? Do you know Why do you know why? Because there's a lot of stuff to do. I'll just be honest with you. There's a lot of stuff to do. I actually figured out how much time it takes to make a Sunday morning service happen. Between arts and Adventure Canyon and setup and teardown and facilities and uh, everything that happens and all the people that come and, and give their time, if we were to add up all the volunteers' hours it takes to run a Sunday morning, it's about 1,000 volunteer hours. A thousand. I'm like, whoa, that's a lot. And on top of that, it takes about 700 paid staff that we have on top of that. So like 1,700 hours go into this one hour <laughs> of a Sunday morning. Isn't that amazing? That's why we ask you to volunteer because it's a lot of stuff to do. And then I started adding up, well, there's all kinds of ministries going on throughout the week from between Sundays and and the next Sunday, there's all kinds of volunteer opportunities and all things that go on, and that's another seven or eight hundred. So any given week, it takes two thousand five hundred hours of us going. Okay, I'm going to give some of my time, to volunteer some of my time. But then I started thinking about what's the difference between people who just volunteer and people who serve. And I thought about my friend Craig Sanford. When I was back in Detroit, uh, Craig was a volunteer. In the purest sense, his two girls—they attended our kids' church and they were in elementary school—and and and so Craig and his wife said, "Well, we'll give one time a month. We'll come in and we'll we'll volunteer our time." And the way we had it set up, it was kind of like a room about this size with as many kids in this room. We kind of did crowd control, right? So Craig was one of our crowd control guys, and we usually stuck him in the section with the kind of the wild boys. Um, and so he was there, and after about a year, he came to me. And goes, Dave. He's like, I just got to talk to you. I just don't this. this two hours a month is killing me. I just don't look forward to coming. I don't think I can work with kids. I just, I, I just think I'm gonna, I, I just think I'm gonna quit. And I said, Well, Craig, okay. I don't know, I don't agree with you, but okay, let's just say yeah. Why don't you just pray about it and 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 come back and let's talk about it? And normally when I say go pray about it, people go, Okay, bye. I never see him again. <laughs> but this time Craig really did. He went and prayed. And when Craig prayed, he had an encounter with Jesus. It was it blew me away. He came back to me. He goes, Okay. He says, he says, Dave, I prayed about it. I'm not going to quit. I said, really? Tell me. He goes, I was praying. And God said, you know, you know those, those wild boys that are sitting in that section with you? He goes, Jesus said, you were worse than them. Isn't it always great to, when you get an encouraging word from God, right? So in his heart, Jesus says, you were worse than them. And then he basically, then I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he said, and then Jesus said, what if you went to church and you went to serve those boys? So he's like, I'm all in. Around that same time, God was really working in my heart and we had a couple church vans and they were just sitting there in the parking lot and I had this, this kind of this small little vision of how we could go pick up kids in neighborhoods, kids who don't have rides to church, and we'd go into their neighborhoods, and we'd, we'd drive them to church. And so I, without having anyone volunteering for it, I just said, okay, God, I'm gonna just going to share it with the church and hope that somebody wants to do this. And so I got up on a Sunday afternoon meeting, and I was sharing, and I said, this is what I feel like we need to do. We need to just get outside of our walls and, and use the vans we have and, and go out and pick up kids. And after that meeting. Craig came up to me and he said, Dave, God told me I'm supposed to run this bus ministry. I'm like, wait a minute. Two hours were burning you out and you want to run a bus ministry, right? But I knew that he could do it. And I knew there had been a, go, a change going on in his life. And from that day on, Craig's heart was changing he now, now did not look at, I'm volunteering for the church. I'm giving my hour. That's it. You know, my one hour a month, I'm giving that. And that's killing me. All of a sudden, everything flipped. And he saw that he was serving. That dude, he filled up three vans the first week. He's like, can we go buy a bus? I don't know, sure. Figure out how to buy a bus. This guy runs his own painting business, and he's never even driven a bus. So he figures out how to buy an old school bus and, and fix it up, and he figures out how to drive it and gets his CDL license, and he's driving a bus. Now he's filling up a bus and three vans. And, and when the year came, came around, he had 12 buses filled with kids and families from all over Detroit, bringing in over 300 people a week to church who would never go to church any otherwise. He had over 50 volunteers. He had, he had 50 team members that were doctors and lawyers and factory workers and teenagers that would go down on the streets and recruit these kids and bring them in and go pick them up on the buses every single weekend. Eventually, we had to just hire him because he, he was filling up our church with kids. So what was the difference between old Craig and new Craig? Right? What was the difference between Craig the volunteer and Craig the servant? It was totally night and day. One was doing it out of guilt. I suppose somebody needs to fill this spot. And one was doing it out of love for Jesus. And all of a sudden, man, he impacted hundreds and hundreds of people. What would it be like if some of you who are like, I don't know what I need to do, but I'll do something. What would happen if your attitude was to serve the church? Who knows? Hundreds, maybe thousands of people's lives could be changed. The third area I just want to briefly talk about of serving, in the tr- serving God is serving the poor. I don't know how many of you guys were there on Thursday morning, Thanksgiving morning, when we packed meals. Our goal was to pack 25,000 meals in four hours. And we pretty much packed 28,500 meals in about two and a half hours. And it was so cool. It was so much fun. I showed up. There's nothing for me to do. I'm just standing around watching people work, you know. I'm like, this is amazing to me. It felt effortless to pack 28,000 meals. But I could imagine if there was just 10 people sitting there trying to pack 28,000 meals, they'd probably still be working right now from Thursday on, right? But when we all said, okay, we're all going to do this. Like over 400 people just showed up to do it. And some of you, we turned you away. We said, we, we have too many people <laughs> to do this. You know, come next time. But we don't have enough. And when everybody said, okay, I'm going to serve the poor today. I'm going to serve somebody who doesn't have, like I have, amazing things happen. In fact, in Matthew chapter 25, you can write this down because I'm not going to read it. It's not going to be on the screen. You can write down Matthew 25. You can read it. You will see the under. if you read that, you will understand what Jesus means about the importance of serving the poor. In fact, if you read that to the very end, the final judgment, our final personal final judgment is based on how we treated the poor. Wow, that's amazing to me. So the poor, the sick, the homeless, the naked, the prisoner, however you treated them. So if, you're, so if today, if, if you're going, man, I scored low in serving. There's all these opportunities for us to get involved and to serve. I just want to share with you just a few things, practical items. If, if you're low on serving and you want to just like get some books or something and, and read, that's what we're challenging everybody to do is let's grow in these next 50 days about this. So here's a couple good books. You ready? Here we go. Uh, Improving Your Serve. This is one I actually was given as a teenager and it actually revolutionized my life about what it meant to serve Jesus. Improving Your Serve by Charles Swindoll. It's still in print. You can still get it today. The other one is uh, Purpose Driven Life. Uh, that's a great book as well. Purpose Driven Life. You can write that down. You can, you can order these books on Amazon or whatever. Purpose Driven Life is just basically finding out what your purpose is in serving God. And You're going you're gonna to find the most joy and the most fulfillment in serving if you're doing it out of your own gifts, out of your own talents, out of your own abilities. And then there's all kinds of experiences that you can do uh, if you need to grow in the area of serving. First thing is, this week, go into every relationship with the heart of a servant and say, am I treating this person like Jesus would treat them? Every one. Some of you may go, wow, this stuff actually really works. Seriously. Well, Jesus made it work. He brought it to us to work, so it actually works. Another thing is, another practical step is if, if you're low in, in serving, join one of our serving teams. And you guys hear about those all the time, from Connections to set up to Teardown to Arts to Adventure Canyon and Facilities and and we have office volunteers who come in and work in the office during the week and answer our phones and do other things. There's all kinds of opportunities and all kinds of serving teams. And then Uh, serving the poor. One thing I love about K2, the church, is that we do serve the poor. Now, I would say that, you know, Dave Nelson and I have talked about this, and we say, we're really not doing a super great job of that, but we are doing something, and we want to do more, and we want to make a real impact on our world and on our community by serving the poor more and more. So at the very end of time, right, when everything's done and your life is done and you stand before Jesus, every follower of Jesus will be asked these questions. Jesus will stand before you. Get this. He's going to say, How did you treat my body? How did you treat my church? Did you serve my my body? Did you serve my church? He's going to ask Jesus is going to ask, how did you serve those around you in your relationships? Were you me to them or did you lord it over them? Were you trying to achieve your own greatness like everyone else or were you trying to achieve greatness through servanthood? And he's going to ask you too. and going to say, how did, how did you treat the poor? Did you just ignore them and pretend like they didn't exist? And Jesus is going to ask you, how did, how did you treat the poor? And every one of us will give our answer. And we'll have to be truthful before Jesus. And I want to be able to say on that day, oh, Jesus, okay, I did. I did my very best to serve. And I know that you guys as well. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to want to say, yes, Jesus, I did. And here's the deal. Jesus has two answers. He hasn't. One's good and one's bad. When he asks these questions, how did you treat the poor? How did you treat others? How did you treat in relationships? He's going to either say, yeah, I know what you did. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your eternal rest. Here it is. This has been prepared for you. Well done. Good job. Awesome. But to some, he's going to say, yeah, yeah, you you went to church, you came, you you said you followed me, but I didn't know you. I'm sorry. I, I didn't know you. So, I'm sorry. You'll have to depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, I would hate to hear those words you can read those words in Matthew chapter 25. So here's the question. Oh, how awesome would it be if every follower of Jesus went into their relationships with a servant attitude of Jesus? Everyone. How would our world change? How would this church be different? How would this valley be different? How would this world be different? And the question is, so how are you treating Jesus? Are you do you have the same attitude as Jesus, the attitude of a servant? Or attitude of yourself? Are you giving your time as a volunteer because stuff needs to get done? Or are you giving your time because you want to serve Jesus Christ? How would your view of serving be if you really understood that every time you serve someone, you were serving Jesus, the King of Kings? and the Lord of Lords. It would change everything. Everything. Let's pray. Jesus, man, uh, Jesus, you know that we all fall short all the time. We fall short and, and our attitude is, is not a great attitude and we don't always have the attitude of serving Jesus. Jesus, but you came to show us the example you came to show us the way your example was that of becoming a servant and making yourself nothing and jesus if if that is possible to happen in our lives then i just pray that it happens in our lives if it's possible for us to be like you and closer to you because we are serving others then i pray that that will be done and your kingdom will come and your will we've done in all those things. We thank you for that, Jesus. We love you. Uh, Give us a great time in your presence as we worship you, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords together. In Jesus' name, amen.